for club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics it's an evil club and you ain't in it all right and we're live welcome everybody this is the realities ours podcast and i'm your only host today nate uh tony is like a funeral or something terrible sorry tony i uh, hope you're doing all right uh and we have brandon thomas uh, from Expanding Reality, and I am really excited. I'm really pumped to hear and talk to you, man. Uh, so why don't you tell some folks a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? Yeah, brother. Uh, thank you, uh, first of all, for having me. This is awesome. Love your show. Uh, so you guys, uh, the easiest way to locate the show uh, and everything else would be just expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's going to be where everything's at. You can link to the, all the socials and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we are on Rockfin as well. If you do the Rockfin thing, we're over there. Proud members of that. Uh, we're also a member of Alt Media United. There's um, all kinds of places to find us, but just expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's going to be your best bet. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So I want to get to know a little bit about you first. Like, I, I'm excited. You're telling me you, the the room that you're in right now, you used to raise baby goats in. Yeah. And I think that's so cool, man. You got a little, <laughs> you got a little farm uh, homestead going on. We do. Wife and I moved uh, out to uh, beautiful Millsap, Texas about, uh, God, it'll be, it's almost seven years now. So over six and a half years now. Um, and we absolutely love it, man. Uh, it was one of these things to where we wanted more land for our dogs. Like we just had dogs and we were like, you know, if we get a little bit more land, uh, we could get like alpacas or something. We were really into the alpaca thing about six and a half years ago when that came around. And thank God we didn't get any of them. No. Uh, those animals, we know we know people that had them as well. So we would you know, do our research. We looked into it. We went over to people's uh, farms and ranches, and we became good friends with some out here that had some when we moved out here. And, man, it was like those things just want to die. Like they want to do everything but survive. Everything For that real? they want, everything that keeps them alive costs a shitload of money. So we were just like, you know what? Uh, and then the uh, fleece bubble burst, like right as we were about to, we, we had, um, we put money down on one in uh, Washington or something. I, I, now that, now that we're talking this through, I forgot all about that. We put like three grand down on a, on a alpaca, some stud, something or another, and everything fell through. So of course, hindsight, all the synchronicities kept us out of that. Thank God. And uh, then that's when the fleece bubble burst. And my buddy uh, who lived out here that we knew had all these bags of fleece, which was supposed to be your, all right, we've got thousands of dollars in feed and vet bills this year. This is going to, you know, not only trade out for that, but hopefully, you know, make us a little bit. Uh, and they ended up, the co-ops that they sold to said, okay, well, the fleece we're not taking any more of. We'll, we'll process it for you, but you're not going to get anything for it. You have to pay for all the shipping. And uh, if we don't need it and it's a surplus, you have to pay to ship it back to yourself. So I was like, uh, like all of these things were like, okay, thank God we didn't get alpacas. But I, we started looking out and we, we realized that if you just drive a little bit further, you know, a little bit, okay, we can add 10 minutes for our drive. Okay. Well, we can add 20 minutes for our drive. Then uh, we discovered that we could get a lot of bang for our buck at the time. Now a lot's changed in six yeah. years out here. Uh, and so, yeah, man, we went the, uh, and also the land came with uh, what's called an agricultural exemption because animals were raised out here before as well. And what that does is the, the state basically takes money off of your taxes for raising animals and being a good steward of the land. Uh, and so all they have to see is evidence of goats. Like you don't even have to have goats. Now, I recommend that you get them if you're doing this. You know, you just put goat poop out and then they're like, yep, there's evidence of goats here. Right. 
Uh, and so <laughs> you, we, we ended up getting goats anyway, cause we were super pumped about all this stuff. I think our first animals were rescue. We got three rescue donkeys that needed a home. And those were the first, uh, livestock that we issued out here and they were miniature donkeys, but to us, they were massive, you know, they were huge and we were so excited and donkeys are great. We have six. Yeah. Their personalities are big. They'll make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. I mean, just so sweet. So self-aware, uh, all of those wonderful things. And they're just delightful animals to be around. Honestly, they're just field dogs. They just come, they want to be pet. They follow you around all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, we have six now. Uh, one of the donkeys that we rescued actually had never seen grass before she moved out here. And so stuff like wow. that, hits our heart man and we've got a little uh mini horse out here now whose name was 437 b when we got him and so we got him from someone who saved him from a glue factory or something like that and then he came with a donkey as well it was like a buy one you know or a rescue one get one and uh she's the sweetest damn donkey we've ever had and so all of it works out great the wife and i don't have children like human children um and so this is what we choose to put our love in as well as just anything we come across, man. So uh, the animal rescue thing is something that we really, really enjoy. It's paid dividends. It's, it's wonderful. Dude, that's super cool. Yeah, I like that. I, I think also if you're moving through the universe with intention and you feel connected with whatever your creator is, whatever that is, like for me, it's Jesus. But, you know, uh, I think that he takes care of you. Like you said, how the whole how the whole alpaca thing just fell apart. It was like he knows what's good for you, man. There's, there's literally a plan for you. And when you go against it, like you'll find resistance. And when you go and when you're going with the plan, then it's just, it's, it's easy, man. And that's super cool. Yeah. yeah. It, I completely agree. It's that, it's that whenever you figure out your purpose or you find, you know, what, what really connects you to your most authentic self and you just point your feet down river. And I've used this analogy quite a bit. You just point your feet down river rather than swimming against the current. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's when that's when it just gets smooth, brother, and you get to meet cool people like you and hang out and do cool stuff. So it's awesome. Awesome, man. That's cool. Yeah, you were also talking to me a little bit before we started recording. You were talking about goats and how mm -hmm. uh, they're easier to be born in spring. And I was just thinking when you were talking about that, it was like, I mean, there is like a solid plan and like winter is just a harsh season. And so it's so I could totally see that, like the baby goats being born in winter, just being a being a heck of a time. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, we, the most challenging birth that we had out here, and thank God, I mean, we've had, God, dozens and dozens of kids over the six years that we've been here. Kids are baby goats, by the way, for the listeners. Uh, and so we've had a bunch and we've really enjoyed them. They're a lot of fun. They're so sweet. And uh, they're just so much fun when they get to a couple of weeks old, they really start running around. And, and usually they're all born together. And so it's like these families that have their kids, you know, their nieces and nephews at all kind of are the same age. And that's kind of what it feels like is they'll just pop out a batch, you know, about every six months. So six months for gestation on a goat, uh, most goats. And so the ones we have are the little pygmies. So the little tiny miniature pygmy goats. And we absolutely love them. Uh, and we did uh, get in the kind of exchange game for a little while. We weren't like selling air quotes, selling goats. Uh, when we got into that, what we wanted to do was is make sure that people were as passionate about just taking good care of the animal. You know what I mean? Um, and so the way that we did that was it's not like we sold them an animal, sold someone an animal and said, OK, don't eat it, you know, because we can't control that. Right. But what we did do was instead of uh, we also have something called boar goats and I'll get back to that boar Spanish cross mix. It's a gigantic goat, right? They're just really, really big. And so those things go for like 75 bucks a pop, but they're about 300 pounds. So those are usually the ones that get turned into, uh, you know, 
uh, tacos and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. and you can do that. You can sell them for 75 bucks all day and that's fine. Um, we weren't interested in that exchange of energy. So what we did was, is the goats that we have are little pygmies or whatever. They're purebred. There's like a, I don't know how much the audience gives shit about this, to be honest. Uh, but there's, uh, you know, uh, there's uh, these type that have blue eyes and those have Nigerian cross in them. And some people like that for the blue eyes. We went a different route. And like I said, kept them pretty pure to the pygmies. And the reason for that is, is when we did sell them, uh, these things are a female, you know, at 75 pounds is 225 bucks, man. Uh, and a male is like over 150. So you're not going to eat that animal, right? Uh, you know, you could get a 300 pound animal for 75 bucks. So what we did was, is we kind of went that route with it. Now what that, what that attracted into our lives was beautiful. We would, uh, there's one male goat that we had, um, named Henry. Uh, we just named him that. And somebody called and really wanted him and all that good stuff. And so we told her the price and she absolutely agreed and was super excited. Uh, she called to confirm his name and she goes, this is, what is his name again? And I said, well, we call him Henry, but you can call him whatever you want. You know, he's like six months old. You can call, he's, he's pretty flexible uh, when it comes to that. And so, uh, but the reason she called was to have his name monogrammed on a collar when she got here. And <laughs> that's awesome. You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's a difference in energy, you know? And yeah. so, uh, and then she would send us pictures and update and then he had babies, you know, or he, you know, had his girlfriend and they had babies and all this yeah. good stuff. So it's, those are the kind of stories I'm very, uh, that I, that I like a lot. And that's more of the energy that we put out here. Right. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Now the baby goats we raised in here was our first batch of goats we ever got. Uh, we were super new to this. And so of course we just had no idea. Uh, we ended up getting a bunch of boar Spanish cross, uh, the first goat that we talked about, the more meat goat is what they refer to those as. And we just wanted them as pets. So we get him out here and one of the moms ended up being pregnant, which is really cool. So she uh, gave birth on December 23rd. Um, and so it was like right around like the Christmas time, you know, and all that stuff. So that was fun. And we were actually in Houston at the time, uh, drove back here in a snowstorm. And then we were greeted to a baby. And then we had to walk the field and go find two more that the mom had abandoned. And so it's snowing like crazy. Uh, we had no idea what to do. Uh, we end up, you know, just uh, thank God for Google, man. That's that's helped me out so much. And yeah. um, ended up running to tractor supply in a snowstorm and getting bottles and formula and colostrum and all this. And uh, those two little boys um, we rescued in this room right here. And then uh, they're they're wonderful. They're still with us, uh, you know, almost six years later. And they're great. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super cool. Um yeah, I think our audience is going to like this. I mean, if they're listening to me, I go off on all kinds of crazy stuff. I love learning new, interesting stuff. So, yeah, man, that was that was super cool. Um, dude, I didn't know that goats were so affordable. 75 bucks for a goat? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, now, I you know, buy like, a goat. <laughs> feeding them and all that fun stuff. And then this, yeah. thing, I mean, we've learned a ton about goats, man. And what's interesting, and like, I just put out my 127th episode. I haven't talked this much about my ranch on my show. You know, mine's more of an interview show. It's not about me. But yeah. um, th- this is a fun opportunity to, I guess, be able to kind of articulate this kind of stuff. But goats are great. Like, they're a lot of fun. Uh, we do all of our own shots. I learned to do that. Um, we actually, I mean, now that we're on goat stories, we had a goat get polio. Um, and she was one of our wow. one of our favorite goats. She got polio, which I didn't even know goats could do this. She just got real lethargic after she gave birth. She had two little babies, two kids. And uh, we were just like, what the hell's going on? And she was a very uh, friendly, very sweet. Uh, everybody out here just runs up to you. And so she uh, just got real distant, got real lethargic, laid on the ground, like had real odd head movements and stuff. And immediately we knew something was wrong. So we take her to the vet, uh, just threw her in the back of my hatchback and drove her up there. Uh, our vet is phenomenal. 
And she just goes, oh, she has uh, polio, which is a thiamine deficiency and thiamine is vitamin B. I was like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So we give CDT shots, which is uh, an acronym standing for three different things. But the main was like tetanus and stuff like that. So it's a few different diseases and then tetanus. And so we do that. Uh, vitamin B. We also give our own ivermectin, which is uh, we do the um, shot form, not the um, mouth form. Yeah. So we do uh, just all that kind of stuff and we do it all ourselves. And we're just a couple city kids that just started Googling shit, you know, and moved out, moved out to the country and just are figuring it out. Now, the one that got polio, uh, the the vet basically looked at us and she just said, you know, um, no one really saves these. You know, they usually just put them down. And so what would you like to do? I said, well, she's eating and drinking with water in front of her. She's obviously got a will to live. She has two babies, two kids that she just had that are nursing and she wants to be alive for them, you know, is what we're kind of gathering from this. So we're going to do everything we can to give her the shot. I said, so what opportunity, what can we do to be actionable uh, to mimic this goat's desire to live? And she said, well, uh, here's what you need and told us all this stuff. Now, we'd given shots before and there's three different kinds you can do. And again, we learned all this living out here. Uh, there's uh, sub subcutaneous, which is just right under the skin. There's IM, which is directly into a muscle. And these are different levels of absorption. So it takes a lot longer for it to absorb uh, into the system uh, subcutaneously. In muscle, it's quicker, but still not as fast as intravenously. Now, intravenously, I'd never done before. And this terrified me. Uh, this is, of course, in the vein. And that's the fastest way to get the best results. So she gave us uh, this like crazy high dose of thiamine. Uh, and that's that's basically what we did. It was just a bunch of vitamin B concentrate, but directly into her vein every six hours. So she shaved, you know, the vet shaved her little spot on her neck. There's two little uh, veins that run there. Uh, and so we, you know, are doing this. My, my wife and I are out here with headlamps in the dark at like 10 o'clock at night, you know, struggling to find this goat's vein, you know, wanting to keep her alive. Uh, ended up, I built an A-frame for him, a bit of a woodworker too. So I uh, built an A-frame for her because she wasn't standing and we were concerned about her legs atrophying and stuff like that. And so we took a painter's cloth and again, we just, we just figured this shit out. Uh, we took a painter's cloth, cut uh, udder and armholes in it and then slung her in it like a sling. And then yeah. I uh, attached her up to a center point that would pivot 360 right where she just had to stand up right and so we just dangle her in this a-frame thing that i built or whatever and we did this a few you know a few hours a day or whatever and we'd come out and check on her and constantly putting food and water after about a couple of weeks man she started standing on her own in the sling she started uh wanting to walk around that lethargic eyes rolling in the back of her head didn't happen anymore um and then she made it and she's fine and she raised her kids and she did great but like i said most people uh, would have shot her and we just said you yeah. know what let's let's give her a different kind of shot you know and uh, just see if we can do this damn thing we took the i ended up taking a dog to the vet uh, i don't know a year after that um and i told the vet i said hey that goat survived and she just she was facing away from me on the computer she like took her glasses off and turned around and she was like really i was like yeah she made it we just did everything you said and and she was fine she was like that's unbelievable so it's it's <laughs> awesome man you get to do cool stuff like that Hell yeah, man. That's a fucking really cool story, man. Again, never told it on my show, so thank you for giving me the opportunity <laughs> to do it here. I appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. I mean, I typically am the one doing interviews, too, so whenever like it's the vice versa, I'm like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to know about me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. Um, the first time I heard your show, actually, was when you were talking to uh, uh, the Great Deception podcast. Ah, oh, Matt, yeah. Awesome, dude, dude man. Yeah, I reached out to him, man. I'm so fascinated by Tartaria. 
Dude, and, well, I mean, I guess his thing isn't directly Tartaria, but he does talk about that. But absolutely, and that that whole like, uh, dude, the whole World Fair shit, it blows my mind. Uh, all the fucking the orphan trains and all those kids, like, Download where the death. fuck did their parents go? Like that whole thing is just nuts, dude. It's so cool, so well, fascinating. The whole thing, <laughs> and my mind goes from like the widest spectrum of absolute woo-woo. You know, we're um, aliens that were seated here with the memory wipe uh, as we showed up here, and that's an easier way to conquer a civilization rather than actually physically, you know, beating skulls in and stuff. Maybe there was some sort of wipe that happened. Yeah, a wave Will Smith us. with the flashy thing, and then we there just get sent down here, and yeah, yeah. and that we're maybe we we're all hybrids of a pre-program from before that time and then we were out doing our thing in whatever space is maybe in another dimension and we were hybrids and then maybe uh the tataria thing happened and the mud flood and perhaps it was instigated perhaps it was a long cycle thing that the entities could see but the people living here couldn't uh who knows and then a uh, cataclysm come through wipes everything out and then uh aliens are like sweet now it's our time and maybe that's where we get the great deception from is this you know deliberate uh, hijacking of it I think about this this kind of stuff all the time. There's no way to substantiate any of this, and I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, but. well, there's there's just really not, man. It, it, it's just fun. I love you. I love that that whole theory, though. <laughs> so, uh, like, the evidence many. we're finding is from the generation before us. That, like, but yeah, that yeah. maybe we're the real humans, like, and we're the hybrids, or I have no fucking idea. Like the original inhabitants and. I don't know, man. That whole thing is cool. <laughs> it, it is. And where I got kind of thinking about that specific part of it was is uh, this kind of uh, thought of infiltration. Now, the way that we do war is, of course, why we do war. OK, uh, and that's to be, you know, money and all destabilization, power, all that kind of crap. It's not really to liberate anyone but them, but the lizard people doing the wars. Uh, but the way that perhaps a better way to take over, like from a more advanced civilization's perspective is uh, you find a planet, you find a dimension, uh, you find a civilization that's there. It's got a bunch of cool stuff. There's cool buildings everywhere. Uh, we have nice waterfalls and stuff like that. And then you just say the only problem is these pesky people here that don't want us to institute this you know, barbaric, subversive, inversion of reality against natural law kind of thing that we have, that we seem to observe in our time now. And uh, they're not fans of it. So what we should do is, is that uh, we'll institute a cataclysm that they'll never see coming, even though they're highly enlightened. So it wipes, you know, I don't know, all but 5% of them off of the planet. Well, the other 5% will be easy to take care of. But what we can do is go down and snatch a bunch of kids, abduct a bunch of kids. Like we have hundreds of thousands of children that go missing every year, hundreds of thousands of people that go missing every year with just the 411 cases and stuff. Not all of, and you know, a lot of national parks, which is a lot of interesting mm -hmm. things fed to that connection. So there could be a way of ganking, you know, yeeting people off planet and then um, either putting them on ice, either, you know, extracting uh, semen and egg samples, and then uh, having your own sort of hybrid program to where, then whenever the cataclysm comes that you instituted anyway, you've got this 5% taken out. Now you just all of a sudden, whoever's left, you have a little bit of a memory wipe or a little bit of a re-education program go down. And the ones that are on board with it, cool. You get to move into the new age, which is going to be ran like this. And the ones that aren't, well, you just get killed. It's easy. And then that's going to end up with a surplus of kids. That's going to end up with a surplus of you know, people. And perhaps those kids 
were the hybrids themselves. You just beam these kids down and just say, hey, there's a bunch of kids here. There's and the the fact that there was no investigation back then that we know of mm -hmm. right, to, under, to understand why they were there, just what to do with them. And um, that you could just legit buy a kid. They were like, yeah, we got kids for sale. <laughs> they were giving them away. You know, they yeah. were just uh, you'd show to a platform. I need three. OK, cool. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. You go with you. And then there you go. And so who knows? You know, and th so now these kids have no history. They have no memory. And so now they're just implanted and seeded into the populace of this new place uh, with the agenda in mind. And perhaps this is why people, you know, repeatedly get abducted or have experiences like this. It's them checking on their progeny, their product and see how everything's going. Who knows? Man? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's really fascinating. And like the excess orphans probably got shipped off to like Catholic schools and things like that. I, I oh, think yeah. about like, I, I don't know how many people. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, so my great grandfather and great grandmother, they were Spanish. Uh, they were Spanish immigrants and they came here and they both died within like a year, which is just weird. They supposedly died of the, uh, the Spanish flu. And then, so then my grandmother and her couple, uh, like her couple siblings were like raised in Catholic orphanages and weird stuff. And like, mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I mean, I question what the hell the Spanish flu was, uh, you know, there's a lot, <laughs> there's uh, a, lot a lot of things. Uh, uh, one of the more radical ones that uh, it was one of the more recent was that it was not started in Spain. It was started in the U.S. actually. Mm -hmm. Kansas, right? Yeah. And it was a bacteria. Yeah. And so that's. That's an interesting one. And I mean, who the hell knows, dude? I mean, who well, the hell knows? see, goo gobs of people when they actually when they address the deaths died from bacterial pneumonia because they 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 put the mass on them back then, like a ton of them. And they weren't very clean, dude. You know what I mean? Like we didn't know all the stuff that we know now or I mean, we shouldn't be putting we, those germ bags on our faces now. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, those people were probably just warm for weeks on end without washing them, put them in their pocket and they gave themselves bacterial pneumonia and killed themselves. Yeah, it's that breathing in your exhale. I mean, that that's mm -hmm. not good either way, and especially for any kind of duration of time. And so that will fester in some sort of bacteria pneumonia type of a thing we saw this happen with what we've been recently experiencing <clears throat> this ramp up of that as well uh that forcing people or scaring people into wearing these things for long periods of times does yield results that you're scaring them will get them you know what i mean yeah so for sure and then just telling them there is this deadly thing out there you yeah, know and that gets people storm. on edge Absolutely. that like yeah yeah the whole thing it's a psychological operation dude and holy shit did yeah. they get yeah. a lot further than i thought they would like i for a minute i was like america has backbone they're not gonna fall for this shit and then <laughs> mm -hmm. that was like that was like a hard realization 2020 i was like oh never mind <laughs> i think a lot of it's a lot of talk you know what i mean yeah. a lot of it's like a lot of you know fuck you man and i'm fucking bard and then not and then that's it. Yeah, it's just a bunch of posturing. And then um, and that's where it is. That's where it takes it. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, there's it's been institutionally organized to be very, very um, proud, but not but very subversive. And so it's like this. Uh, we're in, but we're not leaders of anything. You know what I mean? It's like a big bunch of people just running after a dot on the wall that you're like a laser pointer kind of a thing. You know, you've got them riled up for the dot, but no one's there to turn around and go, hey, there's a guy using the laser on it actually it's not this thing uh, it's that kind of uh th that kind of thing that we experience which i think again has been designed you know i mean it's a beautiful deception start to finish these people are absolutely genius they're they're fuckwits but they're absolutely genius in how they orchestrate this kind of control
very complete narcissistic sociopaths and then just completely fuck us over without batting an eye. And then we just bend over and take it. It's great. Some do. <laughs> uh, and, and it is. It's interesting. But I mean, man, I don't know if you're riding the train like I have. There was a long, a long time ago, uh, my first time on Union of the Unwanted. And this was kind of balls in the, the whole thing. And, you know, I, I get on there first time. I'm super excited. This young guy, just like ah, bright eyed, you know, and everybody's like uh, coronavirus and it's fucking so absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And then I just said, well, what if, uh, you know, actually the evil people are instituting some sort of this spiritual awakening that we're having? And really, it's it's two parts of the same coin and that actually it's a good thing. You know, I know it looks like it sucks, but it's just because so many people are so fucking passive uh, that they need to wake up and realize and take their life, you know, take control of their lives. And this is one mechanism that the higher unity consciousness may sort of present to us in this way. And that, I still feel this way. I, I still think that that's, yeah, that's whether or not they did it on purpose or not. Or, I mean, because they might have had nefarious purposes. I think that that happens because I think that there ultimately is a counterbalance, you know, and uh, there is I think, dude, I mean, as nuts as this has been. Yeah, there are so many more people awake and so many more people paying attention. And unfortunately, some of our loved ones have fucking full on drank the Kool-Aid and are just whatever the fucking news says is right. And it sucks. Like my sister, some, you know, that parts of my family, but like so many people are just like, even normies, even normies that are like now triple vaxxed and shit. They're kind of like, Oh, this is kind of bullshit. They're starting to wake up. They're like, you know, and it's really fucking cool. They're like, wow, no, the news fucking lies constantly. Oh, that's fucking bullshit. And I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. But no, I was, it, yeah, I was having took, an interesting conversation with a coworker. Yeah, yeah, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it took that for those people to kind of wake up and snap. You know, it's like I think life presents you with the same lessons until you learn them. But it does it in increasingly more powerful ways to get your attention, right, in louder ways, right? And so if you don't evolve into your next level or you don't do what you're here to do, your calling or whatever the resistance part of it, you can get comfortable and, you know, and the ego wants that and all that good stuff. But. It could be that uh, whenever you're presented with this thing after a certain amount of times, either you feel like total dog shit because it's such a it's such a strike against your natural form to keep going this way or something will just stop you, you know, and or just wake you up enough to where you make the choice because it's always your choice. Right? I really believe that it's always your choice. And so you could choose to pay attention to it or not. You could choose to go this way and go more extreme like your family. Mm-hmm. And I empathize with that or not. You know, it's always like this. It's always your choice. And so. If you're presented with this thing that's very, very extreme, then yeah, it'll kind of part the sea a little bit. It, it kind of reorganizes ways in a way to where people run it's for what they... It's designed that way. Dude. It is they, they're, Yeah, they're absolutely... They want us in, like, they're trying to set a huge divide. Yes. They want us here, here. They want us Coke or Pepsi. They want us in this, yeah, this two-party paradigm thing. And, like, we don't necessarily fit in, you know, either one of those two camps. But it is interesting that they are breaking up the population they are making a well they're almost trying to make like a good and a bad you know which is and it's like obedient and then i was listening to uh i think you listened to the the episode that i did with monica you said right Mm -hmm. yeah we were just we were discussing um a an article that was brought up about how like if you okay if you were triple vaxxed or you were unvaccinated your opinion on the Ukraine and Russia situation. And it's dude, I thought it was the funniest fucking thing in the world, but it's yeah. exactly how they split us up. They're like, you're either a good person or you're a bad person and you're, you're this opinion or you're that opinion. And you're like, it's just so goofy, man. It's so funny. 
Yeah, that whole I agree with you completely. And it is silly, you know, because really all you have to all it takes is to step back a level. Like you don't even have to go all the way back to unity consciousness just as a thought experiment. Right. You just step back a level. You're just going to go, oh, uh, that's what's going on. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Because in my mind, of course, yes, of course, they they definitely do this. They rule by this divide. And that's why anybody in the middle always gets pushed to either side. Right. Like Bernie or you know, Rand Paul, something like that, they always get moved, you know, no matter what, if they're, if they're too in for it, they're too in the middle and they're kind of bridging gaps. They don't want that. They need people to be absolutely in opposition of each other. You look at this in sports teams, stuff like that. I mean, it's people, you know, get stabbed in the parking lot after a Philadelphia Eagles game. Right. And it's just like, holy shit. I mean, it's working, you know, it's this bread and circus yeah. idea as well. So this divide is something that has kept us here, but I'm going to expand on the metaphor a little bit. So you can picture one entity that's the same entity, okay, playing with a piece of itself that's itself as well, but it's just over there, okay? Uh, and then the way that I visualize this is, yes, there has always been this left and right, and there's been this push to further and further divide, but there's a barrier there. There's a, there's a point in which our experience bumps up against a wall, if you will, and just in this metaphor. And as Source, the creator, guides it into these two things, it funnels it into the outside. Well, what happens? That spills into a third area. This is where I think that we're finding ourselves now. So that's not this either or because these either or concepts mm -hmm. are a construct of this, you know, duality universe that we live in. It's either dark or light. It's either hot or cold. But your choices aren't limited to that. And I think that that's one of the secrets of this place is finding that gray area because there's there's a beautiful balance of each in that. You know, this is where you find compromises, where you find a lot more truth This is where you at least find empathy. And so you you find us now and you know being pushed out of this thing and this is why all these people who still sit there i can't wait for it to go back to normal i'm like oh the normal where they were trafficking kids and where your tax rates were ridiculous and where your income family you can't survive you know and the the rules and regulations the ever increase in gas prices the never-ending inflation that's your normal them them putting out signals through the tv to keep you in the states the state of brainwave states where they can implant whatever the hell they want that's normal that's what you want to go back to Maybe they would say yes <laughs> yeah, they would say yes because it's the, that's the ego talking you know and the ego is very designed to be very well to operate here and you need it i get it and so this is why you know that kill the ego thing i disagree with that integrate it but this is where again we mm. find that third space i think that we're finding that either or is not the only options and so there's a there's more options. And I think that's what we're that's what we're finding, because something like this presents itself in, uh, you know, love and fear. But really, the ultimate thing it presents to you is opportunity. And so if you stay grounded and focused on that, that's what presents itself. I think. Dude, that was fucking beautifully said. I love that. That's super oh, we're cool. Just Man, the riffs are the best. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love what I just, yeah, when I just get on a stream and my brain just starts firing. I don't think I have any of those in me right now because I'm too tired, but oh, that's okay, <laughs> yeah, man. sometimes I, those are the best. You know, and really it's just I get out of my way. Uh, and I've talked about this quite a bit, actually, uh, as I just get the hell out of my way. I stop trying to think of what to say or I'd stop waiting for you to stop talking for me to answer. You know, it's like I, it's a flow. There's a cohesive dance that 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 we're doing here. And this is something like, I guess, just, you know, breaking the fourth wall for the audience here. This is something that not a lot of people that don't do things like this don't understand, you know, is that this is a very different type of communication. You know, sometimes like you and I had texted a couple or emailed on um, Twitter uh, twice to come on here and, and we're instant bros, you know, this is, but it's this um, dance, you know, that we do here. And as long as, you know, you just get out of your own way, I find that that's when 
everything syncs up and you just kind of roll with it, man. And it's beautiful. And you're a great dance partner, by the way. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> oh, so I was just thinking back to the Tartaria stuff. Um, yes. Man, I'm super, I just stuck on it. I got to fucking get it out of my system. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I I had Ari uh, Sulin on. Man, he was super awesome. Have you ever talked to Ari Sulin? I have not, no. Dude, you got to reach out to that guy. His, I think his show, or I don't know if he necessarily has a show, but he has a website. It's Paradigm Threat. And the dude is just a wealth of knowledge, man. The guy is just the best. Um, and he was blowing my mind. Um, I am talking to, uh, I'm going to talk to, uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, from the great deception. I'm going to talk to him. I'm talking to Ron, uh, from new England too. Mm. Uh, I'm, man, I, I'm trying to hit up all the good Tartaria guys. Cause <laughs> just my mind is blown on this. Um, I'll give you a website, uh, the crowhouse.com. Crowhouse.com. That's Max okay. Egan's website. Contact Max Egan through there and go ahead and get that motherfucker on. That dude is <laughs> awesome. Uh, go ahead and don't put it on YouTube. I'll go ahead and say that to you because that was okay. my first strike. Uh, <laughs> was with Max Egan. And that was the one where I was just like, okay, well, we talked about a bunch of stuff in there. Like, just tell me, you know, which part you didn't like was the medical misinformation, is what they said. And so I was like, just tell me what that is. I'll go back, edit it. And then put it back up so everyone can hear all the 90 other things that we talked about. Yeah. And they were just like, yep, nope, uh, your strike stands. And now something about a reprimand because I repealed it. I can't. It was something dumb <laughs> like that. It was something like now you're extra, you know, you had a smiley face and now we turned it to a frowny face. You know, uh, it's something dumb, right? Something just. Oh, dude. Up. And so um, that was my first strike. Second strike. Uh, don't link any guests only fans accounts in your show notes. OK, uh, that'll get you pulled. <laughs> I'm just helping you out here if you want yeah. your uh, channel to go a little bit longer. I uh, don't. So, <laughs> yeah, so I'm waiting you know, for the, I don't know, for the third hammer to drop and then to ban us forever. So if y'all are listening to this and you're a listener of the show, I probably don't say it enough, but go to the website. Everything's there for free. All the videos are there. I'm, I've been painstakingly uploading those things. It's been a huge pain in the ass, but I'm doing it so that you don't have to fuck with YouTube. So go. That's check awesome, that out. man. Yeah. Yeah. I never wanted to have a YouTube. I like tried not to have the YouTube, but then I had like enough listeners that were just bugging me to get a YouTube. So like the first video I ever put on there within three hours, I was talking to a guy. He goes by Etienne de Boetti squared. I don't oh, know if you're guy. Yeah. yeah. Great dude. Biggest scam in history. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, First fucking video, three hours having the fucking show. First strike, that was that was the big one. And yeah. then I had William Ramsey on. That was another strike. Yeah. 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 And uh, so me and Scott, uh, so I'll give a shout out to Scott from Rebunked. Uh, shout out. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were trying to get banned last week. We were doing what we could. We were trying to go as hard as we could. And that one stayed for some reason. We, we brought up you know, everything. Even, okay, here, you can do this. If you want to get a ban, just do this. Uh, COVID, 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 um, don't get vaccinated. Okay, now, whatever, yeah. take that as a clip, pull it, put Max Egan's face on mine in a deep fake, and then you'll get pulled immediately. Just put Max <laughs> Egan, and then it'll yank it. Because they've been yanking him, not me. You know what I mean? They got yeah. like things with him on it. That's why you should have him on, by the way. Because that yeah. man has got some knowledge and some truth. Mm -hmm. I've been watching his videos for years, man. It's a good thing, man. You know that you're over the target when, yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, for sure. They just start yanking shit. Uh, and just based on that. And so, um, yeah, and this is another thing. And I'm glad that you brought it up, actually. It's, um, I'm, 
I'm going to keep uploading to YouTube until this next one comes and then I'm done with it. I'm not going to start a second one and then whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm done after that. And so the thing that I think that it's important for all the people who are just married to YouTube, that's part of that new norm or that normal that everybody wants to go back to. That's part of that old world that we don't exist in anymore. And the reason for that is, is because your favorite people on there, you are begging, not, not begging. I'm just going to put it like this. We as content creators want to make sure that our audience can find us where they feel comfortable finding us. My show goes out to like 57 different podcast platforms. I didn't even know there were that many. And I just signed up for all of them. I got number one in Estonia one week when I did that. And it was silly. So both people in Estonia love the show, right? So uh, that listen to podcasts. So um, basically, we, we do this to, to, you know, get the reach out there and all that good stuff. But audience. YouTube is fucking us and we are having to constantly compromise the information that we give you just to put stuff up for you to enjoy, you know, 90% of it so that the 10% uh, can get out there. So, you know, maybe we'll kind of meet each other in the middle and maybe we'll just put it on other platforms. You try those platforms out and in a little while it'll become better than YouTube because you're going to find way more information there. You're going to really, really like it and you're going to, you're not even going to, you know, miss any of the ads interrupting music videos or that that video that you try sharing with your friend that's completely gone now that had great information in it and you just can't figure out why like that's the kind of shit you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. so we'll just migrate away from that uh rockfin's a great option i've like i said got my own website you guys everything is up there for free there's a membership thing yeah. as well but all of the stuff that goes there's way more free shit on there uh and so this is where we're moving to i think and i think uh audience participation just as they are passionate about the topics and engaging and following you uh should also be aware that them, their participation doesn't stop at just clicking like on YouTube. Maybe just an extra step of going to a different profile or platform rather uh, to actually see the people that you like. That's honestly one of the best ways to support, to support a new platform that you're working with. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I, I think that YouTube, I think is probably still pretty important for the people that are just waking up because they don't know how to find any of these other things. So it's it's nice that we still have a small little presence on there because maybe they're going to find something, a little red pill, you know, a little seed that'll sprout and they go, oh shit. And they're going to start questioning some shit. I mean, that was one, th uh, but I mean, like you were saying, then we need our established fans like come follow us, quit watching us on YouTube, go like follow us on Odyssey, follow us on Rockfin, follow it, you know, you know, yeah. find these, these other places. And then you're going to get a better experience too, because we're going to be able to go harder. We're going to be able to actually tell you things that you need to hear. And, uh, or yeah, and I mean, the, and the like play next video features on all the other platforms, except YouTube aren't going to take you to like, uh, some propaganda. They'll just take you to yeah. something else. that's super dope you know that you want to see anyway and so that's that's kind of like a really uh really the way that i encourage people to look at that it's like it's not that we don't want to be where you want us to be it's that we're not welcome there and so why would you want us coming somewhere that we're not welcome you know what i mean now what i'll do on youtube is like uh, with john paul rice especially after the max egan thing i was just like fuck youtube and that's when really I just started working on getting it other places. Uh, and so and that's why YouTube, like the numbers and all that shit, that's nothing like that's I don't even count it. I go over there. I go, OK, you're uploaded and then move on. And uh, I don't even look at it after that. I, I don't pay it any mind, really. Um, and because, again, we're not welcome there. It's uh, something where I don't really feel like spending my energy there. I could be doing other shit. I could be out petting one of these dope ass baby goats. Right. Uh, and so 
what I will do though, is with, like I said, the John Paul Rice video, I knew that bitch was going to get pulled. I knew it. And so just straight out the gate, um, I just went ahead and made like an 11 minute little clip of it, of something I thought we could get away with. And then um, put like a graphic in there that just said, hey, in the show notes, there's a link to the website. That's where the full yeah. two hour and whatever video can be found. Um, just because, of course, it was going to get pulled from there. And that actually, that was fine. People didn't mind that because it was like a direct link to somewhere. But that's like, it's the same link. Again, just just save that link and just go there. You know, all the cool shit's going to be there, right? Way more than we can say. For sure, brother. For sure. Yeah. And like I said, it's nice that this is still here for the little people to catch a seed. Cause like, I was going to tell you that story earlier about like, I had a coworker that is just, she's maybe the most normie person in the world, like bright, but just very fucking normie, whatever. Like, and so, but I've been kind of working on her little by little and showing her, showing her stuff. And then she was just telling me, she was like, yeah, I mean, the news really is lying to us. And she goes, they're always trying to push war. Cause I was trying to like, I was trying to like red pillar on a few different like things as like, look, this is where they, and you know, and then I would talk to her too. Like we'd have these conversations about like uh, the pharmaceutical companies and about how doctors are just basically paid drug dealers, like legalized drug dealers. And they're just trying to push this shit and how pharmaceutical companies, like every single one of those drugs that you get a warning, you know, like, Hey, did you take this drug? And did these 10,000 other things happen to you? Uh, you can join our class action lawsuit and be like yeah every single one of those drugs was fda approved and we just had this like long conversation and but she's super normie on covid so then i was just like well have you ever noticed how the media is just like pushing this and if you dissent at all then this happens and this happens and it was like have you ever have you seen how the propaganda how they were basically like trying to like they were doing lotteries they were using taxpayer money to do lotteries for people that would get jabbed. Like in, and she's from Nevada. So I was like, do you know what happened in Vegas? They were like, they were telling people like, we'll pick you up in a limo. We'll give you limo service. We'll take you to the strip club and get, and give you free yeah. dances. If you get jabbed yeah. and shit, it was like, there was a brothel that was doing free, yeah. uh, yeah. Free rounds. Uh, if you could take a <laughs> shot, you can give a shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just wild that I was like, you know, if it was really this deadly, if it was this crazy, they wouldn't have to do this to try to get us vaccinated. What do you like? What are your thoughts on this? And her, her fucking mind just blew. <laughs> it was just crazy, man. And because uh, her whole family, I guess, are like Trump thumping Republicans and none of them got jabbed. And she was like the she moved out here. I live around Portlandish area. Hmm. So she was like a college educated liberal out here. And she was, you know, and so of course she got jabbed and, and I think I fucking just blew the lid off of it. I think I blew her fucking mind, man. And that was just this last Friday. This last, uh, so, I was about um, to say, have you followed up or did she run to the, yeah. the like-minded echo chamber and get reinforced <laughs> on why you're wrong? I mean, we'll see you, if I got a job Monday. And that's, yeah. And then there's that, right? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, man. I mean, this is, this is the time and, and I've, uh, I compared this a lot recently after having a guy named Ben Carroll, phenomenal musician. Uh, does the singing bowl sound healer guy uh, on TikTok. You guys go check him out on Instagram, whatever. Um, had him on, and we were talking about this uh, this time period that we're in right now and how vibrationally dense it is, or intense rather. And it seems that there is a shift occurring. Like I think everybody can can say that. Now we may not be able to agree or even know, even if we do agree on what's really going on, like the mechanism in which it, it functions, but there is something going on here. And I think one of the best um, metaphors for this is the, the study of cymatics, which of course, and again, just for the audience is uh, sound um, like a speaker over a metal plate. 
they will then play a single tone, a solid tone of whatever frequency. Matt and I actually went over this. Matt went over it in my episode with him um, about oscillation frequencies and how they get star forts, which was fascinating. That dude is so cool. I can't wait for you to talk to him. You're going to love it. Um, but cymatics, though, really, and again, you um, then off that single tone, you sprinkle granules of something, sand, um, salt, silica, whatever, over the top of this plate. And then as the tone goes, uh, then it forms this incredible pattern, uh, these beautiful geometric, almost, you know, uh, tree of life, uh, sacred geometry type patterns on this thing. And then if you change the tone, all of the granules reorganize into a new pattern, right? Okay, so the way that I've compared this shift is it's like basically what we were dealing with before, the energetic resonance of the energy before was this lower tone, okay? So the ascension is basically just like the universe raising us up a tone or the earth. It could be a Gaia thing. It could be a dimensional thing. Uh, who knows, right? But really, it raised us up in frequency. So now this shift that we're talking about, again, just a metaphor for this would be that all the granules are individuated expressions of consciousness or us so that's all the people here uh, and so as it uh, changes tones well there's a disorganization moving from the normal that everybody you know so was fond of uh, to the new normal which is really what we have now now in between all of that you have your klaus schwabs and you have everyone else mm -hmm. hijacking or attempting rather to hijack this moment and influence you and i've got a whole thought on that that we're actually the creators, they're just the influencers. We do all the manifesting and creating. They whisper in our ear what they want us to create. And so um, there, there's like this whole element to where it can be hijacked. But again, this is that push. This is that opportunity for us to see that there's actually a third option, that there's not an either or, and we can move into a new direction. And so as the pattern reemerges, this is why you lose family members. This is why you lose friends. And you don't lose these things. They're vibrating at a different frequency. Therefore, as the pattern, I guess, solidifies itself into a more of a what we know it's going to be for a little bit longer as this tone holds or as this energetic frequency of this next age for us holds, then uh, things move apart and things reorganize into different patterns. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like everybody's fine. Yeah, we but it's just find new families, what we it, do. You exactly. Know? And there's you just yeah. vibrate at new frequencies. I mean, you it's all about frequency. I mean, I've really figured this out. I mean, that was a Tesla thing. You know, if you could no uh, frequency and pattern, uh, you would know the secrets of the universe. And so really, it's kind of like this, just what do you vibrate at? You know, you can tell people that you get around that you just don't get along with. Well, what's the deal? You know, what's going on there? It's probably, you can almost always boil this down to what could be referred to as a vibrational dissonance, that you are just not in resonant harmony with the energy or the frequency of this person. Your priorities are different. You got different goals. You got different um, desires and and things that trigger you, things that don't, and all of that good stuff. Things you find offensive, things you don't. It's just a vibrational thing. And so like attracts like, right, in this place. And so that's why you find yourself as you start to step into a new paradigm for you personally, then friends move on or family members yeah. start to get really weird and all of that stuff. But you do meet new new people that vibe, that are attracted into your life at that time. And it's perfect. It's, it's beautiful. It's an awesome way to go about it. The more I look at it, the more... Uh, I, I kind of enjoy seeing it as a symphony. It's, it's much more beautiful that way, less, less dire. You know what I mean? And then you can enjoy the ride more too. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I found it much more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Because you know that something else is going to come from this. Like even if it's like very chaotic during the shift, like you said, you know that something beautiful and it's coming together. 
you know, yeah. so you can enjoy that ride more. I mean, I think that I really started feeling it probably around 2015 and, and then it really culminated around 2019. I really like changed my whole life around. I was like, I want to live on this planet longer. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. I want to like clean my, my spirit and become a better person. And that was like right around the time where I met my, my future wife and then we got married and then now we have a baby and now we, we have a home and we're out here. And like this, this whole thing, it, it was all about a spiritual shift and a, and a move. And you definitely lose a lot of people along the way, because as soon as you're trying to clean up who you are, you know, or just try to be real with yourself, you're, you're going to lose people because, you know, they wanted you where you were, you know, or what you were, you know, and uh, yeah, I definitely feel that. I definitely feel that. And I also think that probably you were, you were talking about the Schwabs and the, you know, the anal Schwabs, you know, <laughs> the jerk offs are, uh, you know, I, I see them using things like, I think they're probably getting pretty desperate. And I see the, maybe this whole 5G thing is like trying to interrupt that new vibration. What do you think about that? Is that a possibility? Then? Well, first of all, it's all a possibility. Dude. Yeah. Uh, it, it's all a possibility to the fact, that, to the point to where like, uh, God, uh, Bart Sebrel was on uh, Tinfoil the other day. He, of course, was a director. He's a writer, director, journalist, but he made his most famous accreditation would be a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, which is for free on YouTube, actually. For I'm shocked it's still there, but go check it out. Uh, and it's awesome. And so, he was even talking about because, um, man, I, I've been looking into like all this cool stuff uh, for like over well over 20 years now. And so I'm into all of it. Project Looking Glass, you know, uh, time travel, dimensions, Ooh. UFOs, aliens, all of it. Right. All the conspiracies, all that. Good stuff. We get 100 so, conversations we could have. We're just going to have uh, to have you back. <laughs> and then, <laughs> I love and that. then we could after 100, then we'd start talking. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's just so much to cover. Right. And so uh, one of the things so that he was talking about on there was some awesome stuff like you know, the Chronovision or um, Project Looking Glass, as it was called, allegedly, there was this machine uh, that they could see the uh, past and present and future events in and stuff like that, right? And so it basically organized itself, into, as the story goes, into the most probable outcome uh, based on the current timeline. And so they could go back and see, allegedly, again, Jesus's crucifixion. I think they went back to the Gettysburg Address. Now, you could take this further and say from that project, they had Project uh, Pegasus, which is something Anthony Basciago was a big... Um, allegedly again participant in and there's a picture of him again allegedly i'm just going to stop saying that all the all the shit's conjecture uh there's a picture of him at the gettysburg address that he can say that's me right there uh i was there because i time traveled back uh really interesting fun stuff and i think it's all super cool and dope now as far as what is going on right now with like the cabal and cabal's deep and all this stuff when, whenever uh, I, I've heard these awesome people talk about like that, uh, you know, it's happening now because really it was supposed to happen in 2050 and they had to bump the timeline up because we're awakening too much. And that's fun, right? Because that means a scramble. That means it's, you know, close to the end. There's also uh, the CIA whistleblower guy. I cannot remember the dude's name. He had just this one off uh, Project Camelot interview. Anyway, he was talking about... Um, that this is like a chess game and what we're watching is is basically these two energies you know let's call it the lizard people and us or whatever and so basically there's these two energetic forces uh and they've been playing chess this whole time and it's this crazy kind of 4d chess that people watching can kind of see the moves but the people playing really know what's going on and the p and the, we're at a point in the game <clears throat> to where both players look up because the player on our side, let's say the good hat, the white hats, <clears throat> excuse me, know that the game is done. It's over. Uh, and they've won. 
Now, the black cats or the lizard turds, your Klaus anal schwabs, I love that. Um, they know also that the game is over, but they know also that all they can do is prolong. And so that's what they're doing. They're making moves to prolong the game, but they know that it's over and that it's our in our favor and we've won it. And so anything in between now and then is just them just polishing a turd. I mean, that that's it. They're mm -hmm. done. They're finished. And they keep throwing each other under the bus. They eat their own. All of this kind of stuff. And so these sacrificial leaders and pawns and all of that stuff, it's all part of it. Now, I, I go real deep with this shit, too, like that they're kind of stuck here. You know, those lizard people kind of things. And we are the real souls here that can kind of travel in and out. We come here to learn lessons, play, and then move on. And we graduate it from like they give it like you a think you can become one of them. Like, do you think if you corrupt yourself in a way or do you think they are fixed? They are some sort of fixed. I think okay. I think basically it's like a, who is more convincing, right? Your own inner voice, which has to be listened to by you or the things yelling at you for the for your attention. And that's really the way that I've kind of reduced this down to. It's like, OK, well, there's a quiet inner voice that's got all the wisdom and knowledge, but it's very, very quiet. So you mm -hmm. really have to listen and you have to do things like ground and really mind your environment and this is how you raise the volume of that voice which will tell you anything that you need to know yeah there's also a bunch of shit out here that doesn't want you to hear that voice and so it makes it very loud and very ruckusy and explosions and ah be scared of this and oh you're supposed to back this now and how dare you not watch that show you don't fit into the tribe you know which is innate in you and we know that you want to do that so in my mind, I kind of look at these, I'm going to just say oppositions. I'm going to, I'll say growth opportunities because that's what they really are. It, it's like uh, they're, they're here to allow you to grow and to learn, but they need to provide a sort of environment where it's very dense. It's um, hectic. It's uncomfortable. It makes you move. You know, you, you want to be actionable in this, this is a participatory universe, in my opinion. And so if you're sitting still and you're watching the real housewives of whatever, and you're just coming home and getting drunk and laying on the couch and then going back to work and hating your life and all that good stuff, then maybe uh, the energy of this place was like, you know what, we can do better. And so let's wake them all up by this. Now, um, to the spiritual enlightened part of it, I guess, um, that's when you realize, or that's when I got to the point where I was like, you know, all those things yelling at me really don't have my best interests at heart. And I think that if I can just not participate in them for a little while and just let other people kind of, um, you know, spin the chaos on it at will, then I'm just going to kind of unplug from it, do my own thing. I'm very aware of what's going on. I'm very taken care of. I, I understand things. I'm not uh, giving up. I'll put it that way. But I am not engaging in it in a way that's toxic or negative to me. When I started doing that, man, that's when everything changed. Just like what you said about your energy shift. And I'm grateful that you put it that way. I wanted to come back. I just wanted to mention that. Uh, the way that you put it is absolutely perfect. I worked on me. I started eating better. I wanted to be around longer. And that's when blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. It's not I, you know, yelled at my wife until finally she, you know, cooked dinner or cooked a healthier meal. It's not that it, you have it in the right order, which is why I respect the shit out of you, first of all. And second of all, you will be successful at this. And you've already been the success you've seen is just going to be a precursor to the next because you've got the right order of mentality going. You fix you. You listen to that inner voice. You change you and the out world mirrors to you what you really are that's that's that old saying you know life you know life's not coming at you it's coming from you and when you realize that that's when everything changes everything. yeah man i i really do think that's a big thing because I, I knew so many people i still know so many people that are like 
They're looking for a wife. They're looking for a girlfriend. They're looking for the perfect job. They're looking for this. If I find this, this is going to make me happy. And it's like, you have to work on you first. You, because you have to be ready for that opportunity because the world is, you're surrounded by these opportunities. But if you're not ready, if you're not in that place, if you're not yet in here, if you're not in the right place, it's just, you're going to bring that, that same chaos that you had before. Like you're not going to find that. You're not going to be happy. Even if you get that perfect job and you're not going to be, even if you find that perfect relationship, you're not ready for it because you haven't done the homework, you know? Yeah. Because even, soul, if, even yeah. if you find it, you're going to lose it real quick because you're not a vibrational match to what you really desire. And it's until you become a vibrational match to what you really desire by working on you, by being the you that you picture your highest version of you being. You know, I mean, does yeah. the like, I don't know, just money. Does a millionaire version of you uh, leave their fucking clothes everywhere all over the floor or do they pick them up? You know, these are like little things. Does the millionaire version of you. Uh, not push start on the dishwasher, even though everything's ready to go. Yeah, I'll just do it later. You know, does does that highest version of you do that, or do they just go ahead and handle business? And furthermore, yeah. that they do things like I do things for my future self all the time. I'll do little stuff and do things that I know are time consuming. You know, at a different point to where when I need it to be done, I'm ready for it, and that time is yeah. already been put in. And so that's it's like, so important. Yeah, yeah. Just re do you respect yourself enough to attract the kind of mate that you want? You know, are you a vibrational match to that? Usually the answer is no. And that's when that's where you start every time. Dude, I mean, I think probably what got me there too, well, 100%, what got me there is psychedelics, man. I mean, because uh -huh. people will always ask me, they're like, how can you like advocate for like doing shit tons of mushrooms and edible marijuana and be a Christian? And I'm like, edible, I mean, mushrooms brought me to Jesus. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like to me, like that's what brought me to, you know, that's what got me listening to that inner voice that I think is coming from the Lord. Uh, but, and, and even like what you're saying, if you are the Lord, if you are your own Lord, then you, then you are listening to that. You are listening to, you know. Yeah. And it's like Carlos Allegro, I think was his name. I know Allegro's last name, but uh, that sacred mushroom in the cross. And he was one of the yeah. guys that decoded the um, Dead Sea Scrolls. And that's what that, the whole thing was like an allegory for, Jesus being a mushroom, which I thought was really, really interesting. So that's cool. And oh yeah, you take enough of them, you'll you'll see God. It's pretty cool. She's she's lovely, <laughs> dude. I think that was the big thing for me too. Is that like it's, people get freaked out by psychedelics and they talk about bad trips or something. And I'm like, I don't think there are bad trips. You know, I think that it's you're learning something from it because like so many times, like what people describe as like having a bad trip. It's like, you're getting confronted by things that you normally just like, here's this. And like, you know, there's this glaring thing in front of you. That's like really important. You should address it, but your ego or whatever it is just to keep yourself alive. You just kind of just knock it out of the way. And then when you do a fucking nice, you know, heroic dose of mushrooms, or edible marijuana even dude people don't realize how fucking psychedelic edible it's marijuana psychedelic. is like yep. dude it's fucking serious yep. dude like all of a sudden that little that little wall that you had disappears <laughs> yeah. and then boom you're confronted by whatever it is that's going on in your life that you need to confront and like i think it's medicinal i think everyone should do a heroic dose of mushrooms probably every six months for a good reset Okay. You know, just you like that. I used to do about once a year, uh, but I I'll go with you on every six. So I could bump that up. We could, those are rookie numbers. We could bump <laughs> yeah, yeah. Up. Good call. I think that it just kind of refocuses you. What's important. What am I like getting distracted by that's in my life that is like, 
you know, that is maybe detrimental or maybe just a waste of time. And maybe like, and it's, it's fun to have things to waste your time on. Like, I'm not saying that you don't have, like, if you got to play video games or something, or you like this movie or like, I love Star Trek. So I'm like watching uh, deep space nine again right now, sometimes, you know, but like, sometimes you need to just like refocus your energy and be like, what should I be focused on? You know? And I, and I think that dude, definitely, uh, psychedelic uh, drugs for me have always been a refocus. They're like snap back together. Yeah. They're, they're good for that. Especially um, plateaus of any type. Um, They're, they're a good little reset. I've learned also that, you know, there's an interesting observation that somebody made the other day that the reason that you start believing in astrology is because everything falls apart that you want to know more about what's going on. And so that turns you to astrology. And then actually you just kind of go, Oh wow, there's something to this. And so uh, with psychedelics, kind of same thing. Um, if you turn to it to be the answers that you're looking for, then yes, it will provide that. Where I've kind of gotten to lately is I'm not looking for outside stimuli of any kind for that direct result. Now, lately, I've been doing things like that more for enjoyment, not insight, if that makes sense. Mm, and so yeah. I've kind of flipped positions on it uh, to where I really uh lately man and this has just been a pretty new thing i've been really directing focus on figuring you know uh facing what's going on when i am in that funk or when things pop back up i really soberly face it and say okay like where are we mm. at with this here's my new understandings uh what have we got and if maybe i feel like something wasn't clarified or if it won't it, it needs to be cleaned further then i may turn to that but i honestly have only turned to psychedelics to answer questions two or three times and one of them was ayahuasca mm. last year uh year year before uh, that's so, really neat. i want to try that i've not gotten that yeah. it's awesome i uh, would recommend five stars yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah if you're into that and you are uh then i i think that you it would be very beneficial for you if nothing else just for an alternative perception and i think that though the reverence that you have for plant medicine spirits is is something that you would really really enjoy ayahuasca uh, she is very different, very different. And and really back to what you said about bad trip. My first trip I ever had was horrible. It was a bad trip. But like you said, I call that like my dark night of the soul. That was like right at the time I was getting into spirituality and conspiracy theories and all that good stuff. So I kind of had this horrible, horrible reset on LSD. And that just yeah. you know, just shot me into that into the direction I really needed. It was my trebuchet of consciousness. You know it's I mean? so much. Like, so it's like, what are you afraid of? Why? And why does this scare you? Cause like, you'll get these, like, I mean, for me, you know, I'll be like terrified of this and I'm like, and I'll be like scared. And then I have to myself, I have to refocus. I'm like, why is this scary? Why is this scary to me? Like, what could I do? You know, what, how could I use this? You know, yeah. and it, it's just, it's really to me, like, and like you said, it's, I think it's probably better if you can do that sober, <laughs> if you can, if, and I think you could definitely do that through like forms of meditation and just like being like focused. And, uh, and I have a hard time because my brain is scattered all across, you know, <laughs> across the fucking sky. Um, uh, you know, it was just a, it's just like anything else. I was just de being deliberate about uh, how I approach things that I'm being presented with again. So I want kind of a variety of options. And so, you know, I used to, I drink and then think about it, you know, there's that, what is that? I think it was Turkish. I can't remember. There's some culture where they used to have uh, the discussion twice, one sober and one drunk. And if you come to mm. the same conclusion, then you're good. So these kind of things, approaching situations in this 3d reality, whatever it is, uh, 
looking at different options through altered states, various altered states, I think is a very insightful way to go about it. This shows that you just don't have cognitive dissonance. You know, you don't say, well, it has to be this because that fits in with my paradigm. So therefore, I'm not even going to try it. That the greatest answers lie right outside of what you think would be beneficial for you. It's like it's it's the most un innocuous damn thing and it's especially the stuff that you're scared of that's like that's where that shit that's where mm -hmm. that is that's where that real good truth is um that expansion of your comfort zone because you don't want to get out of it i mean i guess the way i kind of visualize that too is you know they say you know outside of your comfort zone is where the magic happens and i agree with that but would you want to step out of your comfort zone and then pull it to you you know to where it re-expands around you to where now you what was previously not comfortable for you is falls deep in your comfort zone and that that just expands and so that's a good kind of way to look at it that's a good way that i look at it rather yeah no i like that yeah especially uh like you said examining what you're afraid of um and i i also think that probably the majority of like bad trips are when people take probably a little too much and they're like in a scene where they're trying to maybe they don't feel 100 percent comfortable with to begin with and they're trying to like take this drug to help themselves be comfortable in a situation or something like that and uh and or they just uh they they're not respecting the the medicine that they just took you know and they're in a they're kind of in a situation where they're they're not ready to focus on them I, I, yeah i don't know i don't know that's interesting, that's interesting. yeah yeah just about the intent, man. I mean, it's just it's it is, whatever yeah. you've got, what you want to get out of it. Um, it's very, very interesting. I guess people think I was crazy about like the amount of mushrooms that I used to do, man. Like it, in my 20s, uh, I had a buddy that was like basically growing them in his closet. And so like I had an unlimited supply because they just grow so quick, dude. They're yeah. just, you know, and so like I spent a couple of summers just out here in Portland in my early 20s. Uh, just how I'd start the night is I'd, I'd take an eighth and then I'd chase it with a couple four locos, if you know what those are. Jesus and Christ, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. And then we'd hop on the train and then we'd just go explore the town. We'd end up in this little bar called the TARDIS Room. It was like a Doctor Who themed bar and we'd do karaoke on Monday nights. And it was just a wild time, man. And oh, so, wow. like, the train stops running around two in the morning and starts running again around five. So we had like this three hour window where we're just like walking around outside, looking at the stars, like a nice summer night. And dude, I'd like, we'd get in conversations with homeless people. I'd start like, I'd like pray for them. I'd be like, what's going on in your life? And like, take them out to coffee. And like, I found so much empathy and kindness and all these different things about myself using psychedelics like uh because you know when you're young and you're in your 20s you're a little you know you got too much piss and vinegar too much testosterone a little you know a little aggressive jerk uh a little hothead latino like myself and i've discovered a sweet nature inside myself you know with them and uh i think that was probably one of the coolest things man that's amazing but that, yeah yeah it was just fun that was those are some of the best times I think back think back on. Agreed. Uh and yeah, I had a lot of fun, man. I remember a lot of high fiving. I honestly misused psychedelics, I guess, for the entire time up until about a few years ago. I mm -hmm. never went into it with the intent of being respectful or anything, but I gained a ton of wisdom in spite of that intent, you know, lack of intent and clarity. And so that was an interesting thing, too. I knew nothing of them than just it was an altered state. I'm a big fan of altered states. And so I just would take whatever. 
Uh, I kind of established early on no needle drugs, so I'm a very big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never did anything like that, but I did fucking everything else, man. And I would candy <laughs> same brother <laughs> acid and tabs together. Yeah. You know, I would do all kinds of shit. Uh, and so to me, it was just another way of exploring the options of this place, this reality, whatever it is. And so just recently, like I said, though, is when I started, you know, the idea that mushrooms could be sentience and that actually they hijack your sentience and make you more empathetic and more caring and more uh, conducive to make, you know, the environment a little bit better and clean everything up a little bit, pick up some litter and stuff, which is the environment of the mushrooms or the host in this example. So these are fun. Like that's the kind of... Um, conscientious hijacking I can get on board with, you know, it made me a nicer person. It made me more joyous. Um, yeah. See more childlike wonder in things to not take things so seriously to kind of look at things like we're all connected, you know, and, and look there's at things nothing like a walk through the forest when you're yeah. just blasted yeah. on mushrooms, dude. Like I remember yeah. just walking around and we, we came across like this big old lake and there was a bunch of nutria. I don't know if you know yep. what those are. Yep. Yeah. Those, like that's and, yeah. yeah, it was a big ass rat, but it was like a little mom and she had like three little baby nutrients with her and they were just swimming and just hanging out together. They were probably 10 feet away from me and I was just out to lunch and I was like, this is the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just. Oh, I would yeah. sit down in my front lawn and just be like, you know, watch plants communicate uh, with one another with these beautiful energetic exchanges, you know, physical I could see yeah. two blades of grass, you know, and all that stuff. And then I'm like, you know, why do I cut you? You know, it's not my <laughs> yeah. right to, you know, mow you and shit, you know, and I, you get those. Uh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh. That's so true, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go mow yeah. this, by the way. I mean, it's just, but in that mass moment, genocide. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what that smell is, right? By the way, do you know yeah. that? the grass just... being cut? It's warning the other grass, hey, we're dying over here. That's yeah. Right. It's crazy, man. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah and i'm still gonna go mow after this so i'm really excited about it it's that's fine you know it doesn't change the fact that it needs to be done it just changes kind of the way that i look at uh whenever i'm trimming trees and stuff i'm like ah that branch can stay you know what i mean yeah stuff like that you know? it just that's helps you appreciate yeah that's yeah. it just a little bit more <laughs> yeah i love that man um you know, there's something about this year too. It's like, uh, I bought, well, I bought a house in August. Um, and me and my wife, we, we got out of, um, kind of, we weren't in Portland proper. We were just like kind of right outside of it and kind of still the Metro area, like over a hundred thousand people population in this little crappy town. And it was wild and gross. And, uh, we moved uh, not too far away, but like a half hour outside of the city. And we are in like a rural county and there's like less than a thousand people that live out here. And we have, we are actually, we are actually able to buy a nice little house and a big yard. And, and as I'm just like, we, we, we've been planting like fruit trees and we've been planting all these fun things. It's like, I'm really noticing like spring, like, I, I guess, you know, spring is whatever, but like, I notice it this year. I'm like, I'm looking at my trees and I'm watching the blossoms grow and it's just, it's really beautiful, man. I've got apple trees out here. We've got a nectarine tree out here. We've got like, I've got like a beautiful dogwood up front and a Japanese maple and all these like really beautiful trees. And I'm just watching life grow in my own yard and it's blowing me away and I'm doing that sober. So that's pretty Isn't that amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I love it. And yeah, spring has really sprung out here too. Um, we have these, uh, I guess it's coming up now, the second two weeks in April, generally. Uh, this kind of fluctuates a little bit because some weird shit's going on with like the moon and stars and seasons and shit. But uh, it's usually about the last two weeks in April when we first moved, noticed it when we moved out here. But our entire front part of our part of our property uh, is like all of these bushes and they're real tall. They're like 20 feet tall, something like that. But they're uh, they bloom all these little white flowers the second two weeks in April. And it is just unbelievably fragrant. And so like we'd get out of our car, you know, to come home or whatever. And you just smell that you're hit with this like almost gardenia like smell. If you've ever, if you know what those are, they smell incredible. And so, but we have them all over the property. And what this does is it attracts about, I don't know, thousands of bees and uh, butterflies and all that for this time period and so they're everywhere i mean everywhere and so you just go outside and you sit in the front yard and there's uh, quite a few you know but there's they're all over so they're moving from one to another and you just go stare at one of these bushes and it's got thousands of butterflies all over it it's unbelievable awesome, it's that with the smell with everything else i mean it's great and yeah just to give good you know fistful of four or five grams something like that and just go play around outside for a little while yeah and especially in that time period because everything is so oh, yeah. alive yeah yeah it's, it's amazing man that's beautiful man mm -hmm. yeah so uh, come hang out if you're gonna if you're gonna come down to texas come fishing at the pond come do some texas shit we got guns and stuff we'll have fun uh but you yeah. uh, come on out but target <laughs> that time frame if i can be you know picky or at least like i do the goats give you the best time to come out here right the best opportunity for the best experience come out that time of this year man and we'd love to have you here hell yeah man one of these days man i'm, I'm trying to oh, do a yeah. road trip my son wants to see the grand canyon we like we're gonna have to do a big road trip around the country so we're gonna have to hell yeah <laughs> you can tell no more flying was really formed of the plasma apocalypse have you heard of this no oh, i've gone God. i went a little hard with the mud flood stuff with uh with ari but yeah, tell me about it. What's the oh, plasma well, it, apocalypse? It's such a huge rabbit hole, man. And it has to do with like the kind of structure of this place and that there's basically like a dome over us or that we live on the inside of the inner earth and all these really cool things. Basically just nothing like what the official government and NASA tell you space is, right? Or this place is. And so there's basically like this area at our North Pole, which ties into like the box saga, which um, Andy talks about from the Deep Share podcast quite a bit. And then uh, it ties into this idea that the that there are these ages here and that things go in real long cycles. And this is where you get um, like Devil's Tower being a tree like it was a tree in an older civilization part of here. This idea that there are giants, you know, that turn into mountains everywhere around here and all that. They were part of something else. And then a plasma apocalypse type of event happened. Now, some people will say that this is like Nibiru or something like these long scale cycle uh, cataclysms that come and just basically reset this place, right? So the plasma apocalypse is pretty cool because it basically says that uh, this place just goes to shit in the most incredible way. Um, I would honestly like to see it. Like if I had to pick how I go, it's probably one of two ways. One instant blood mist to where it's just over. Like you're just yeah. poof, evaporated, gone. Uh, the other would be to witness some sort of plasma apocalypse because it would be so fucking metal. It's like all these streams of plasma come up and then they fill up over the outer edges and then crazy shit rains down and the gravity turns off in some places, but not others. And so rocks and people and everything float and then crazy wind currents just blows people at thousands of miles around an hour around this gravity hot spots and dead spots. And then finally red plasma and then everything resets itself and reorganizes for a new round of life to come here. Kind of like a I've, I've just jokingly said like a speed dating thing like we all kind of get our time here with this place and then on a cycle 
it just basically fills with water and kills everything here and resets or plasma apocalypse come through and resets. But the Grand Canyon, some people say, was formed by this, not water erosion over millions and millions of years or whatever. It's basically like a scour from a plasma apocalypse. You can also yeah. see one of these on Mars if that's a real thing. It's pretty cool. I like that. If that's a real thing. I mean, that's what I always have to answer. I mean, that's what I always have to like preference everything with is like, if space exists, then, you know, <laughs> I mean, but that's a trippy one that I've kind of recently come to uh, people talking about is that there, the earth is hollow, but we're on the inside of it. Like we're not, we're not on the outside. We're on the inside, which is crazy to me. Like that's, cool. that's cool, man. Yeah. I, I, I've got a couple of folks coming on to talk about hollow earth. I'm pretty excited to delve into that. Cause I don't know a heck of a lot about it. I like the idea. I haven't heard the idea that we're already in the hollow earth. Present that <laughs> one to them. They probably haven't either. It's pretty, you know, it's one of the newer, I guess, things that is coming around. Um, and one of the things too, Ooh, you can, you can uh, tell them this. I haven't talked to anybody on my show about it. So you, you go for this, this observation here, go back and watch the game of Thrones intro trailer or the intro, uh, um, scene or whatever, you know, the intro titles or whatever, you know, the music mm -hmm. that's playing and then it goes to all the houses and it's that cool mechanistic um, intro thing. Okay. Uh, pay very close attention to this. You can go just look it back up on YouTube. Whenever the, whenever you're sweeping over the land, the land in the background goes up and out and around you. So that takes place in inner earth or like an inner ball type of a thing. And then the sun in the middle is like the center sun. You could see land all the way around it as if the land sweeps up and away from you. I mean, this is like mm. that predictive programming shit. Maybe that's what they're trying to tell you in this specific instance is that that takes place in an inner earth. And maybe that inner earth was our past or our future, you know, kind of a thing. And that's what Game of Thrones is set off of. I just thought it was interesting. You can kind of yeah, tell them that's that. that's fascinating. Yeah, cool, man. But yeah. Cool. It's fun. It's a lot of fun to think about that kind of shit. And like the Hollow Moon, like Alex Coyer, have you ever dove into his work? No, not really. Is that that like the moon is like a giant ship? Hell yeah. Is that the, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would make sense. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was towed here. They cite all these, um, you know, I believe it was uh, definitely old Chinese and old Chinese culture. But then I want to say it was somewhere in Africa. They both reported times whenever the moon wasn't here. And so they said the time before the moon came. So basically like the moon was brought here. Like it wasn't here already. Which yeah. then leads you to the idea, well, then our tides aren't based on that. Our life sustainability here isn't based on that, right? So what's going on with it? Why does it have such an influence if it was not here but has the same influence, right? It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, how we just take that for granted that, yeah, that the tides and that uh, the waves are all based off the moon's gravity. That's what's making the water move and things like that. It's just what they say. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. They say a lot. Don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I've been talking. Uh, do you know the guy named uh, guy named Moral Bob? Mm, Love Moral Bob. Yes. Yes. Yeah, from the uh, Hidden in Plain Sight podcast. Yes. He was my first introduction. Like I had heard him on William Ramsey's show. Actually, his introduction. He was an introduction on Flat Earth for me, and I still don't know exactly where I go. But he he I think he gives the very best. Uh, um, presentation on it and for like the for a layman like myself to try to grasp the like what he's trying to say and and i do think that that is fascinating that like if we are going how many thousands of miles an hour right now we're spinning like this while we're going around the yeah. sun and like I, it just it literally doesn't make sense that we could just that this sun is stationary 
and that uh, the stars are always in the same place when you like when they it just it doesn't fucking make any sense. So I'm not saying that the Earth is flat, but what I'm saying is whatever the fuck NASA or a bunch of old Nazis are trying to tell us. There you go. Isn't fucking true. It's not fucking true. I think honestly, that's one of the biggest realizations you get to. We don't know what the fuck is going on here, but we know what the fuck is not going on here. And most of the time, it's exactly what they're yelling at you to believe and to trust in and all of that good stuff that is not what's going on here that's not the truth and if part of their truth package i mean i know that they lie half the time they tell the truth half the time but for me if part of their truth package goes into beating you over the head with space and that the the globe model and all that kind of stuff then to me maybe it's not really what's going on and then whenever you look at you then combine that with your observation of nasa and them lying and you know never a straight straight answer right not a space agency then why are they lying? Why are they taking? I get that it's a money making machine. I get that they get fifty seven whatever billion dollars a day. But like, why are they lying? They could just go there cheaper, you know, and then still funnel a shitload of money, right? That didn't answer the question. So that's the thing. And, and so I think when when you're presented with observations of well, that's obviously a green screen. And how did they go through the Van Allen radiation belts if we're told that we can't do that? And yeah. you know, uh, Von Braun, yeah, was a damn Nazi. And you know, Walt Disney and Jack Parsons and all these idiots. And so it's uh, it's very, very interesting when you really, really look at it, man. But when you really look at it, that's, of course, when everything's illuminated. You're just like, ah, oh, yeah, of course it's like this. But not a lot of people do that, man. And so yeah, then- I think that whole fascinating thing is that they're trying to – like I think that's part of our programming. They, they set us up with obvious lies, and they're like, this is reality. They Accept are- this. Believe it. They you know? <laughs> obviously and then half uh, truths that aren't believable for the people that bought the original lie, but that's not for them. It's for the people yeah. in the alternative. Again, Brett's, uh, Bart was just talking about this. Could not agree more uh, that it is. There's there's another lie. The example he used was is COVID's a real thing and it's going to kill everybody. And then it was, um, but for the alternative media people, it came out of a lab. You know, they'll whisper Mm -hmm. that, right? And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the other, the alternative media truth, but it's not the real truth. Yeah, there's always layers on layers. Yeah, 100%. It's it's just the thing to give them, for them to go off and go crazy about and then divide everybody else and then divide dinner table conversations because they have information that came from a lab. And of course, it never would do that. And because I believe the real real story and you believe the other, it's somewhere Mm -hmm. in between all of that. And they don't. They don't really care what questions you're asking if you're not on the right, like if you're not asking the right, you know, the right exact, if you're not looking directly at their, you know, whatever it is, it's like, I would, I would watch things like Dr. Fauci and like, I used to love Rand Paul. I'm, you know, I'm a libertarian. I still like Rand Paul, but like watching him and Dr. Fauci yelling at each other and like, it was, it was such theater, man. Yeah. It was just theater, just, you know, and it was just, it was wild, man. And that was the acceptable thing for the people that would question. They'd be like, well, all this came out of laboratory anyways. Exactly what you said. Yeah. I'm to the point with all this, man, that I uh, look at all of it like wrestling. I mean, saying, hey, I um, am a Democrat and you should be, too, because of this is just like you arguing that Hulk Hogan is way cooler than the junkyard dog. And in my mind, it's just a theater. It's just an act like you're you're um, facing life decisions. um, You know, you're like, again, stabbing family members at Thanksgiving dinner and shit over a theater. It's just a different level of theater. And so, yeah, people can look at wrestling and go, hey, that's fake or whatever, and that's cool, but you could still enjoy it. But then there are people who look at politics, again, just in my opinion, uh, the people that look at politics, that they're really real and they make real impacts on our lives. I think it's, if you, in my mind, again, if you step out just 
one little level, one half step level, then maybe they're just influencing you to do stuff and scaring you into behaving a certain way. And if you unplug and detach from the whole damn thing, then maybe none of that happens at all. And then maybe those things that are yelling for your attention just fade off into the distance and they go away. You know, maybe that's how we beat this. I think that people yelling and screaming and all of that has been the way we've all gone about it forever, I guess. And then it maybe we've made a little bit of progress, but then not. But I think perhaps a suggestion that I offer is just unplug from it. Don't subvert. Mm -hmm. Don't give your freedoms away. Don't let your kid go to school where they're going to get something stuck into them if that's what they're saying is going to happen. Don't, you know, vote for a particular thing if that's not what you feel is going on. But your attention you know, the energy goes where the attention flows. And so wherever your attention is, that's your only valuable currency. And so if you don't choose to participate in this or you're given an either or, look for that third option. You know, look for that libertarian option. Look for that third thing. And if not participating in politics is that third option for you, then maybe that's the one you entertain this time around. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I like it, man. Yeah, I think that that is. And like you said, it's like uh don't send your kid, turn off from it if you can. I mean, I, I, okay. I make memes for a living. That's, I mean, well, I also have a full-time job, but my other full-time job is I make memes for a living. And uh, a, a big one that I was just making was like, uh, it's just turning off. It's just walking away from government basically is, yeah. is what it is. is Because I mean, that's what true secession is. Like you can have these people talking about rising up and picking up guns and the government's so corrupt and we got to go and take it. And I'm sure you hear a lot of that because you're in Texas. Right? Well, I hear a lot. I hear a lot. I hear them talking about it. Nothing right. Happened, but like man. real secession starts with the individual. I am sovereign over myself and I decide to Turn off the television. Perfect. And that's the first part of secession. And maybe they say that I'm not allowed to grow this in my yard. Well, that's the second thing that I could do if I want. So I can grow as much of this as I want. I'm not going to ask anyone's permission. Uh, they tell me that I can't sell whatever that I'm growing in my yard without paying some taxes on it. Well, I'm a free man and I'm selling this. I'm selling something to another person. We're making an exchange. I don't have to ask permission. You know, to me, that's that's agorism. That's the gray and black flag in the background. It's just secession starts with the individual, then the family, then a small community that you build around yourself with other people, like a little freedom cell. And that's real secession. It's not about picking up a gun and pointing it at a fed. It's about just breaking off and living your life the way that God intended. You know, I'm a yeah. free man. And if you can make it past the Waco days, then you're going to yeah. be okay. You're going to be yeah. just fine. Because the, there's also a history of, you know, uh, people who have tried to do that kind of stuff branded by. And so this is why, again, it's a systemic change because you can get people that do that and you can get people that go out there. But if your government comes out and tries to firebomb that place and the populace believes that they were right in doing so, that's the systemic issue. It's yeah. not that people wanted to go do that. It's that the government said, no, thank you. You're not paying taxes on things. And they make up this huge story. Now, there were things going on there. Yeah, that aren't ideal. And I'm not sure about all the rumors and stuff going on, but I. Yeah, I like question those things because like we hear that uh, like he might have been fiddling kids or something. How do we know that that wasn't just complete bullshit? It's an easy way you know? to get you pissed off <laughs> yeah. at the guy. You know, I mean, just yeah. to say that not defending it, of course, if it happened, yeah. no one fucking knows. But then exactly. if you're just saying, hey, uh, that dude diddles kids and then we're going to go firebomb the entire place, it does not give them the excuse. So let's go kill, kill all those kids all that he diddled. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, it's it's this, it's that kind of shit. And it's that passive opposition, man. It's kind of where I'm at lately. I don't participate in the shit that 
uh, is not a vibrational match for me as much as possible. There are some opportunities for you to grow. And so those, I think you're always going to be given by usually it's dissonance to your, to your match. You know, it's, it's, it shakes you out of your comfortability because that's when the most abundant growth happens. And that's when the toughest lessons are learned, but that's when the most abundant lessons are learned is through this adversity, through failure, through strife, through challenges. Right. And so, uh, with this also, it's just a big ass decision on your part and you can choose to participate in it or not. You can choose to tend your own garden or not. Um, but just the same, you can choose to blindly just say, yeah, that dude was diddling kids without doing any research into it. Uh, or yes, the government had the right to firebomb those people who just wanted to go do their own thing that had nothing to do with me, by the way, that had nothing to do with me and my life. But I think the government did a great job by, I think one of the stories, one of the most horrific stories from that event was whenever they were driving a huge armored vehicle, I want to say it was a tank, and they covered, they rolled over the top of an underground bunker that they either didn't know was there, allegedly, or they probably did know it was there, and it was full of women and children hiding, and they just crushed all of them and collapsed the whole thing. I mean, it's, and that's your, that's the answer to these people going out there who didn't want to buy Cheerios. You know what I mean? Essentially, mm -hmm. they wanted to unplug from a system that required that they be fat, lazy, um, belligerently drunk, addicted to opioids. And the answer to them doing that was to go live on their own. And the solution for this that a lot of people backed was the government going in and killing them. Now, what's interesting about that, too, is it ties to the Oklahoma City bombing. I'm sure you know this. Mm -hmm. And how Timothy McVeigh was set up, uh, allegedly, as controlled opposition to where really there was a lot of people that were starting to say, you know what? Did you see the thing that happened in Waco? That's pretty fucked. Uh, let's overthrow this government. And so then they did the whole thing with Oklahoma City. You know, of course, they set it off in, near a day, uh, daycare. And so it had the most horrific outcome. But this is where then it was kind of back down and sweltered. You know, this is it. It squashed it out and it worked. And this is like the weirdest thing. And these things are all hindsight, man. I mean, looking back on it, but it's like, I think you're you're absolutely right in this. And this is just kind of uh, confirming the conclusion I've come to as well. Dude, just tend your own garden. Just again, your attention is your most valuable currency. And if you get twisted sitting there in front of a TV, getting lied to all the time and getting upset by that, then that's your choice to live your life that way. And that's fine. But like you said, man, you could plant a fruit tree and you could go do that. That's pretty cool. Uh, you could go for a walk. You know, you could get some fresh air. I mean, that TV and the noise and nonsense is still going to be there anytime you want it. But maybe just every now and then unplug from it and just disconnect from it. I promise you're not missing anything important. <laughs> Yeah. And take a break from normal life sometimes. I mean, like yesterday, me and my wife were like trying to get the baby ready. We were trying to get dressed. We were trying to do all the stuff so we could get to church on time. And we were like, okay, and we're going to do it. And we were already like 20 minutes late and we knew we were going to be late. And we just, we were both just stressed. And we were like, I live out pretty close to like this little river bar where there's like this little beach and it was a nice sunny day yesterday. And I was like, you know what? Fuck church. We're going to have church on the beach. There you go. We just pulled over and that was the first time we had our little baby play in the sand. And he was like, we had to watch him cause he was trying to shovel sand in his mouth. You know, we get a little, he's, he's turning six months tomorrow. Oh, wow. uh, and we just had like a beautiful time on the beach. We had packed a little snack with us anyways. And we just like hung out and just enjoyed the sunshine. And it was beautiful. That was perfect. Church. That yeah. is church. That's <laughs> more church that you were going to go drive to in my, that's opinion. what I say. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. man, that's exactly what you need. Mm. yeah beautiful well brandon thank you so much man i dude, really yeah. appreciate your time and dude i'm gonna have to have you back dude i want to talk i want to talk 
we talking touched on so many little subjects that I want to go deep in. So, uh, brother, this was a blast. And yeah, man, uh, do you want to do any last minute? Do you want to give anybody a shout out or any last minute plugs? Yeah, I'd like to shout out Nate, dude. Uh, this was awesome. I really appreciate <laughs> it, man. This is so much fun. Invite me anytime, and I'll be there. I got to get you over on my show as well. That'd be wonderful, brother. Um, we do. We have an infinite number of things to talk about. And we'll do some lives. I'm setting up some Rockfin lives, which is pretty cool. And to find Rockfin, you can go to expandingrealitypodcast.com. The link is clicked over there. So just go segue right on over to that bitch. There you go. Awesome, uh, that's kind of the central hub for everything, guys. Go check that out. So yeah, just uh, DM me any links you want me to share. We'll throw them all in the show notes. And thank you so much, man. Grateful, brother.